Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the Blazer's Edge podcast. I'm Tara, and today I am joined by Ashley Williams. Hey, guys. <laughs> and we are here to open our hearts and spill our guts and talk about everything we love about the Portland Trailblazers and the NBA. Ashley, how's things going? Oh, wonderful. It's been kind of rainy, but other than that, just enjoying Portland for what it has. You know, the Blazers have a new in-arena video before the game, and it, like, highlights Portland rain, and it's awesome, because it just, like, there's the loud music, and then, like, the thunderous rain is coming down, and I I love how it just kind of captures, like, how everybody feels right now. The rain is a good metaphor. I love the rain. As long as it's not snowing, I will take the rain any day. <laughs> well, what have you? What else have you been up to? Sports. Um, basketball season is always busy and packed, whether it's high school, college, NBA. But I've been doing actually a lot of color commentating um, at some high school basketball games. Oh, that's fun. Who are, have you been uh, doing local games? Yeah, so I've done um, Central Catholic, so it's high school boys. I actually did girls as well. Central Catholic, Oregon City. Um, I did a Park Rose Putnam game. It's it's very it's really fun actually. Yeah. I come. I didn't think I would like it, but then I guess I was like, wait, you love to talk, so this actually works out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, how do how does how does it go? Like, how do you get ready for a game, and then you know, how do you get in the flow? So typically I would, in a perfect world, I would love to always do sideline, but, um, you know, just equipment and staffing isn't always there. So it's always an option, especially when the game's already streaming, to hop on and do color. I'm not really a big play-by-play, so that's more of, like, telling everything that's going on. Um, But color is more of, you know, somebody makes a move, makes a cut to the basket, and you kind of explain why that happened or why it worked or why that player is doing what they're doing or maybe a little bit of, background on players um so how I usually get ready for it is I pretty much I know a lot going on in the high school scene so I kind of already educated on the teams um but I I go early I watch I see how they play I see how they warm up I see who's not playing I see you know you kind of observe and then you kind of just let it play out it's really fun so uh, the beginning of the season, Joe and I went to the opening night and we tried taping um, an example of play-by-play and color commentary. 
It was super. I I really enjoyed the play by play because I kind of felt like you don't have to think; you just have to say. You just are reacting to what is going on. But then I had a really hard time thinking about like when to jump in, when to say anything. So like, who are you working with, and how's how's the the rhythm going? So I'm working with this um, guy named Dave Hall, and he's actually done. He was actually a lawyer long time ago so he always knows what to say but he's been doing this for probably over like 20 years so he's really good and he's really easy to kind of just jump in sometimes I don't want to interrupt him because he says such good things but he always kind of lets me have the green light and I don't know when you work with someone I do um, shows with him too I host local sports shows with him so we kind of work well together now and we've been working together for about a year and we just mesh well. Like I'm more of the peppy, talkative. Oh, look at that! And he's more of the like level-headed, trying to keep the stats going. So we work really well together. Well, speaking of peppy and level-headed, we haven't really had a chance to talk about the new broadcast crew for the Blazers, and they've been um, in business now for what are they like fifty games at this point? Are we into almost the your- full season? So what are your impressions of the new broadcast crew now that we've had a chance for to see them and they've had a chance to settle in? You know, a lot of people ask me about that. And because I'm like, a when I watch a game, I always have people, oh, let's go watch the game. I'm like, no, I got to go home and watch it because I love to hear the reporters and broadcasters and media crew. I love that. Um, so a lot of people have asked that and I love them. Like, I think they are so great. They're so professional, not throwing anything at Mike and Mike, but I just... When I listen to a Blazer game now, I forget that I'm even watching, like, a Blazer local game. I feel like I'm listening to a national game every single time because they're so educated not only on the Blazers but on everyone else that they play. You know, for me, it took me a while to warm up to them. You know, to be honest, it's not like it's not like I had any particular affinity for Mike and Mike. I mean, I did because that's who I'd been listening to for years. But I was totally open to, you know, having new people coming in. And uh, I think at the beginning, it was a bit rough because the the new guys, uh, you know, so Kevin Calabro, so I grew up in Portland, and anytime somebody from Seattle is shoved at me, I'm a little bit defensive. <laughs> so I had to overcome that in the first place. I was very excited about Lamar Hurd, somebody who uh, had been around Oregon a lot, and he kind of you know knew the community, so kind of would know how to fit in you know a little bit and make his commentary resonate with us locals. But I did feel you know you have to get used to other people's phrasing and phraseology and like. Every time Kevin Calabro says, taking it to the cup, and I'm like, can't you come up with a different word? So there's like little things that kind of stick in, you know, stick in my brain. But I think that's being, that's being like a fan. I I know, I know that because like sometimes I'll even listen to, and I love Brooke, and she says one phrase as of late so (laughs) much. And I just like, I cringe. And it's not even because she's like, oh, she probably doesn't even say that much, but I think I just watch so much Blazer stuff. I always hear that phrase. I know. It's funny. It's funny the things that, that really stick out. And, and, yeah, taking it to the cup and turns. Like, now suddenly we don't get turnovers anymore. They're oh. all turns. Like, what happened to the over part? And even, like, in the graphic now, it just says number of turns. I'm like, <laughs> is that what we're calling them now? We don't even call them turnovers anymore. They're just turns. 
But, you know, all in all, uh, I, I think that they have become more comfortable in the community. They've become more used to the players. And I, I like it when a little bit of their enthusiasm and fandom creeps through just a little bit. Like when something really exciting, when one of our players does something really great and you can hear it in their voice, them getting excited. I like it when that sneaks through. And I know they're, it's good to have somebody who's generally impartial and you don't want someone who's a complete homer. But I feel like a little personal victory every time, like, Kevin Calabro gets, like, really excited about something that Mo Harkless does. <laughs> like, a little personal victory there. I, yeah, I really like them. I think it's a really good fit. Um, I'm, I'm really happy with everything they've done. And this season hasn't been the easiest for anyone. It's been pretty rough. And I think that they have stuck through and done a really good job through the whole thing. Yeah, I think, uh, I, I think you know, we're all starting to get used to them now and... You know, we're ready to move on. Well, let's move on and talk about what I think is probably the biggest news about the Blazers right now. If you have another idea, sing out. But I kind of think the biggest news right now is Evan Turner's injury. That really, that was, that threw me for a loop anyway. Uh, what were your thoughts when you, when you learned that he was going to be out? Yeah, that's just a really hard loss. You don't want to see anyone ever get an injury. Um, especially someone like Evan Turner, who is a role player for the Blazers. And that does mess up the lineup. And I know that I was listening a little bit yesterday. Terry Stotts, is, he said he was racking his brain trying to get this lineup right. And finally, when it kind of seemed right, Evan goes down. And like I said, um, I'm not a 100% fan of Evan Turner, but you don't want to see anyone get hurt. And especially with a right hand, your shooting hand, that's like, that's terrible. So um, I think that, was another kind of dapper on the Blazers. Yeah, he talked a little bit about and when he got I think he got some answered some questions yesterday and he talked about having when he was injured in college, he actually broke a bone in his back in college and they thought he was going to be out for a couple of months. He ended up coming back in 4 weeks. I think Evan Turner's one of those um players who I mean they all are. They all want to get back as fast as they possibly can. Um, they're probably like calling their trainers like the minute that's like, okay, we're going to check in. And they probably are on the phone like, okay, am I ready? <laughs> um, so I think he definitely wants to get on the court as soon as possible. I read a little bit about uh, metacarpal injuries because the metacarpal is the uh, the bone that connects basically your wrist area to your fingers. So it's the actual part that actually makes up your hand. And the third is the one that is connected to your middle finger and one of the fortunate things about that is it's one of the easier ones to immobilize. It doesn't move around a lot, not as much as your outside bones, which, you know, are part of your wrist, more more connected to your wrist. So, you know, if someone's going to have a metacarpal injury, that's one of the better places to have it. It also, you know, didn't get displaced or anything, so it doesn't require surgery. He just has to wait for his bones to knit back together. And for some reason in my mind, I have, like, Evan Turner as, like, slightly Terminator-like. I imagine that, like, he's, he's, like, you know, stitching himself together, like, back even faster than normal. I just have this thing in, in my head about him like that. <laughs> well, I think, that's, I think that's a good thing, but also I don't think there's anything to super rush for. Everyone's like, you know, but with the Blazers make the playoffs, and then he'll be ready for that, and... That's fine, but like I said, look for what we're doing right now. And, I mean, just looking at the rest of the season, it's going to be a tough to win out. Um, so I think that he should just focus on the bigger picture and just trying to be healthy and positive. Um, what do you think about the lineup they went ahead and went with last night then? 
Yeah, I I kind of thought that they were going to just go back to familiarity and just go back to Aminu and Harkless. And so when I saw that it was, uh, they he stayed with Noah Vonley and he inserted um, Harkless, I think it worked out okay. I mean, one of the things that is most disappointing to me is that they were finally making progress. And then and now we're going to have to kind of like reset that button. But so as far as the, the lineup went, you know... I, I think I'm, I might be in the minority, but I kind of like it when Noah Vonley starts because I think it I think it forces everybody to focus on communication right away. I think when you have a younger player in there with less experience who you're trying to bring along and develop, like they're obviously trying to develop him. They don't have him in the lineup because necessarily I think because you know he's maybe the the best person in that position right now, but they're trying to develop him. And I think when you start him they all have to immediately be thinking about communication so i i like that they kept noah vonley in and i you know amino coming off the bench had a great night last night what did you think about that i liked him um i thought that he was going to be like player of the game he was playing hard and i was i'm really disappointed I, like i'm sad because i really thought the blazers were going to win last night and i don't want to be oh, that person who's like i thought the blazers were going to win but Everything was looking so good, and then they kind of lost it at the end, obviously. But it looked well, and even Pat Connaughton, he got some playing time, and, you know, he was kind of thrown into a role, and I think he, you know, he did his job. Um, but it just, I don't know, it was just very frustrating. They kind of let it go. I think a, a big part of it was lacking Evan Turner because I think I think they were gassed. I think CJ and Dame, I mean, one of the great things about having Evan Turner in And it was against lineup, Boston. He would have just, man, he would have went off. Well, yeah. And, you know, Evan Tur- having these last 10 games, having knowing that Evan Turner was going to be chasing the primary ball handler around with the first unit, that was, you know, it took pressure off of Damon CJ. And they didn't have that. You know, they only had, they played a couple of extra minutes each last night. But you could tell they were tired, I thought. Um, I mean, in my opinion, they looked like they were gassed. And I think that was because of the lack of Evan Turner. And it wasn't for Aminu's lack of trying. I mean, that guy played his heart out last night. So how do you, you feel doing. He was doing different moves that I hadn't seen, I think, ever. He was doing, you know, I've, I've... Do you know what I mean? Like, he oh, just yeah. looked so, so versatile. I don't know. I was just all about it. I really was about like I was over a, here Googling him. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like about a month ago, I decided to just give up and embrace uh, Aminu, the ball handler. Cause I know when yeah. whenever he gets the ball on one end and you just go, Oh God, he's going to take it all the way to the other end. It's like, it's a terrifying, you know, you know, you don't know what's going to happen, but I've just decided to embrace it because a lot of time it works out. And I think partly is because the other team is going, oh, my God, what's he doing? And nobody can quite tell what's happening. But I've just decided to embrace it. And so I really enjoyed watching watching it last night. You know, he had so he had 26 points last night. He was eight for 12 in shooting. He was three for five from the three point line, seven for nine from the line. I mean, he was finding the cup. last Yeah, night. he was. He <laughs> No, he was really. He was playing really well. That's funny. I, yeah, he was playing really well. <laughs> well, he had he also had five rebounds and assists, and he only had two, two turnovers. And okay, yeah, one of them was really important, and, and at the end. But considering how much he was handling the ball, I thought that was amazing <laughs> that he that he finished with two turnovers, and he only had one foul. So yeah, I That's was important. excited to see to see him um, break out. 
So, you know, the other thing, to get back to Evan Turner's injury, the other thing about it, well, there's a couple more things about it that I'll say. One is we're going to just enjoy, I'm just going to sit back and enjoy the Evan Turner fashion show because I love seeing how he dresses. He looked amazing last night. Did you see his outfit? Yeah, I actually do appreciate that, too. Those boots were so cute. Oh, my gosh. They were so cute. And, Evan uh, Turner... If you're listening out there, take us shopping. <laughs> no kidding. Oh my gosh. Um, but you know, I want to know where he buys his clothes. Yeah. Well, he's, I remember when I was reading about him when he, before he first came, there were, there were a few articles that I read about him, like in his enjoyment of fashion. He definitely enjoys the finer things. <laughs> in fashion. So wow. anyway, so, uh, I appreciate so, it. He even like accessorizes. Yes. Yeah. He does. He is up there in the fashion world for me. I wonder Probably. if he has a stylist or he does it himself. He might be his own stylist. And now he's got the time. Well, the, 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 they interviewed him yesterday, and he, they were asking him, like, what are some of the drawbacks, um, you know, to being injured right now? And he said that it's because he couldn't get his shirts on over his – or his uh, coat on over his cast, so he had to wear his robe outside, <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was hilarious. But the other thing about his injury is it occurred right before All-Star break. Right. So, well, he has a little bit of extra time to recover. Um I kind of wonder, I mean, you said that you're not like the biggest uh, Evan Turner fan, um, but I know that you've come around to appreciating like what he, the role he does as a role player. I wonder what the Evan Turner naysayers are going to say now. Like, I wonder, because honestly, the first half, I didn't really notice that Evan Turner was gone. But the second half of the game last night, I was like, whoa, we're really, we're really missing him. And so all the people who think that Evan Turner was such a terrible addition, I wonder if they're going to change their tune after this or if they're um, feeling confident enough about their position that they're going to be like, yep, he's, you know, not, we're not, really so here we go. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I think he's done enough that it's not that situation for me. I don't think it's like, finally, like, I'm not happy that he's hurt. I think that he is kind of like a dog. He does fight. So I think that would have been a nice element to see last night. Yeah, I enjoy watching him work. I feel like he works real hard. I very rarely see him uh, take a playoff. And again, having him be able to be in the lineup ch- chasing the primary handler. I mean, last night they had to end up they had they had to fill that role by committee. So sometimes it was Alan Crabb, sometimes it was Mo Harkless, and sometimes they did a good job of it. And a lot of times, you know, they weren't able to get into their defensive rhythm. And of course, Isaiah Thomas because he's Isaiah Thomas went off and 38 had an 30, amazing, 34 34 had but. an amazing night but you know what i i haven't listened to it yet but i saw a podcast pop up in my um in my list of podcasts um that the title was something about like why can't isaiah thomas play defense and so i was like hey at least there's one other player in the league who has a strong offensive game that other people are complaining about his defense well and that it just comes with it i think um i think we saw a little bit of Dame getting frustrated last night because he was playing pretty good defense. Uh, he was attempting to, and he was getting calls and then wasn't getting calls offensively. So it was just a lot of frustration, I think. Um, but also we're living in the Isaiah and Thomas hype right now. So. Right, right. We really are. Right. Like it's, it's odd. And I wouldn't have thought it seven months ago, you know, seven months ago, but it's Isaiah Thomas's and Al Farouk Aminu's world right now. And we're just living in it. Seriously. <laughs> okay, so we uh, mentioned the All-Star break coming up. 
Um, that is, gosh, what is that, next weekend? Let's see, it's yes. coming up real real fast. What What are your thoughts on the All-Star game? Are you a fan of the whole All-Star weekend? I am a fan. I want it to come to Portland. Now, oh. um, I think Portland, there's only two places who have not hosted or are not being considered, and I think Portland's yeah. one. <laughs> but I would love it to come here. But it's in New Orleans. I actually thought about going. It was uh-huh. like... I was like really close to going this year, um, but there's other things that I chose instead. But I I do like the All Star Game, and I think that it should be a fun thing. Um, it kind of is discouraging when I see who gets chosen for the All Star Games, just for the simple fact where it's like it is a fan vote, and mm-hmm. you can't you can't decide who the fans want to send. But mm-hmm. then I see LeBron's been 13 times, and that kind of <laughs> pisses me off. <laughs> I love LeBron. I'm like the biggest LeBron fan ever, but I just feel like it's more of like fun and cheesy for younger players. Right. So that bothers me a little bit. Another thing that bothers me is that four Golden State Warriors players are going. That, that bothers me as well. And I get, like I said, whole fan thing, whatever. I'm not knocking Steph, not even knocking Katie because you can't, but that also bothers me. With that being said, I'm not going to sit here and say Dame snubbed because this just isn't the right, right year. Um, but it is, it's a hard thing thinking about the all-star game. I'm more in it for the contest and skills and celebrity game. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the celebrity game. They always do some weird format <laughs> for that, don't they? Yeah. Um, so yeah, we got CJ going this year. How do you think yes. he's going to do? Um, so I, I, I did read an article about how he was disappointed and how he performed last time around. And he actually said it, the only reason why he was going this year is because his girlfriend had a test. So they couldn't <laughs> go on vacation, <laughs> so I, which I thought was funny, too. But I think it's a good experience. Um, and he's still young. I think it'll be fun for him to go out there and, you know, show what he's made of and his name's a lot bigger than I feel like it has ever been. So I think this will be really good for him and really good for the Blazers um, just to kind of represent for us. Yeah, and I, I think I think CJ is always feeling CJ. <laughs> so I think he'll I think he'll bask in it and he'll he'll have a good time. He's you know, he's he's been shooting great, so like why not have it be CJ's year, right? Why not why not go for it, CJ? There's one other Blazer who's going to be participating in All-Star Game weekend. Did you know that Myers is going? Oh, Myers. He is going to actually coach the basketball without borders camp. So He's not actually participating in any of the games or events. But every year they have uh, this two-day camp over All-Star Weekend called Basketball Without Borders. And it's for high school age, international high school-aged players. I guess it's co-ed. And they bring, this year they're bringing in 67 uh, players from 32 countries. And Myers is going to be one of the coaches, which I think is pretty cool. Myers looks like a coach. Yeah, I could see like see in later in later years. I don't know. I could just see him being a coach because he's kind of fiery. Like he's not he's not like really he doesn't have like a bad temper or anything like that. But he gets fiery at certain moments. I could just if he's very like mild mannered too. I could mm-hmm. just see him being a coach. And I bet you he's very like a technical. Like he seems like he's very like a brain thinking guy. So I could see him being a coach. 
Yeah, well, I know he really gets into his uh, camps that he has. He loves um, those, and I know that, you know, so uh, why not take it to another level? And I know that the NBA Players Association has, you know, coach development programs, and, uh, you know, so maybe him or some of the other Blazers will end up going through all of that. Uh, Some of the other coaches are going to be Wayne Ellington, Justin Holiday, Thon Maker, who is himself a participant. And then Emmanuel Moutier, and then Shek Diallo. I don't know anything about him. Do you know who he is? Really great player. Okay. Who does he play for? Is he Pelicans? I think he's either Pelicans or Hornets. I can't I can't remember off the top of my head. Mm, not but... Hornets. Maybe Pelicans. Okay. Yeah, not Hornets. I watched him play a lot when he was younger, so. Well, I think I think that's pretty pretty cool for Myers Leonard to go, and he gets to you know he'll he'll be there participating in some of the events too. The, all the kids who are participating in the basketball without borders, they get to go to the game, and they get to go to the rookie game, they get to go to the skills contest. That should be that should be fun. Hey, I have a, a question for you. This is like a you know a pop quiz, so you don't have to answer, <laughs> you don't, no pressure or anything. And I totally did not know the answer to this until I just looked it up. So it's more of a huh? Did you know? Um, <laughs> so how many countries do you think are represented in the NBA? Mm, that's a good question. Um, I'm gonna say twelve. Forty one. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? That's see, I love things like that because you never, you never would think that. So now after I hang up, I'm gonna have to go look all those up. <laughs> yeah. So the but so there's 113 foreign-born players, mm. 113 of around 450. So that's like a quarter of the league. So 113 currently. Um, on, on opening night. Okay. Had a press re- press release that they had 113 players who were um, born in different countries. That's, 41 different countries. That's a lot, but I believe it. Honestly, if you go through, if you go through every team and you think about probably like three of the starters are foreign. Yeah. I mean, they have, um, I can't remember, you know, who has the most, but maybe a foreign born. I think it's the jazz. Um, yeah, the jazz have the most, but anyway, I, I hadn't really thought about that, but, um, you know, by contrast, the NFL is 96.5% American born. <laughs> Yeah, isn't that interesting? So I, wow. uh, I found, I found football, it. Yeah, football is an American sport. For so. sure. I mean, it makes sense that NFL would be largely American, but like that was like a big difference. Um, so anyway, yeah, a couple, couple interesting things going on that are that are Blazer related for the All Star Weekend. Um, I personally am always a fan of players getting rest on All-Star Weekend. I just, I just want the guys to rest. I just want them to be ready to finish strong so that we can, you know, have a strong last part of the season. That's where I, uh, I agree. Um, that's why I think that the younger players should just never turn down things. Like, Mm -hmm. you're a rookie. Go have fun at All-Star. You're young. You want to do this. But if you're like a LeBron or a Dame, you just want to relax. Like, you just need that break. Enough time is never enough. <laughs> right, yeah, especially if you shoulder a big load for your team. Um, yeah. I mean, I always remember Nicholas Batum always came back so refreshed after, uh, and you know that he lived it up during, <laughs> he, he went, found a beach and just enjoyed himself during all Relax. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we'll have a little bit less basketball in the NBA coming up, in, you know, active games in the next week or so. Uh, but this is like height of college ball season. I've been watching more college ball this year than I ever have. And um, 
I thought, you know, this would be a good time maybe for us to talk about some of the players that the Blazers might actually be looking at this year. Uh, we have two draft picks this year, at least at this point. Who knows what will happen by the trade deadline. But right now we have two. And every day it's looking more and more like we're going to be at least somewhere in the middle <laughs> of the first round. Um, it's possibly we could, possible we could keep creeping up higher. Um but, uh, but yeah, since there's so much college ball going on around now, it's like likely that you can turn on the TV and you'll be able to flip to somebody who uh, is on the, the Blazers radar. I don't know. Do you have anybody that you want to talk about to start with? I mean, you, you watch a ton. So I know that you've got your eye on a couple of the top ranked uh, guys. Yeah, I actually went to the Oregon Arizona State game last Thursday. So that was really fun. Was and that Oregon the blowout? No, that was by three. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was by three. That was a good game. Um, I didn't go Saturday to the, the game, the blowout game. It was actually a morning game. Mm -hmm. So I actually really wanted to go, but I was like, eh, not making that <laughs> trek to Eugene. So didn't happen. But, man, there's a lot of college, good college basketball going on. I also watched last night um, North Carolina and Duke, and Duke pulled it out. Okay, so last night, I have to tell you about this. Last night in the arena, uh, Mason Plumley got to choose the um, the warm-up music, and he chose the Duke fight song right after, because Duke won that game, didn't they? Yes. So Mason was out there just running around, singing the song at the top of his lungs. <laughs> I've said this before, but the Duke family, like if you went to Duke, if you're going to Duke, if you're at Duke, they're so tightly knitted. It's crazy. Like the... Was it? Yeah, last year at the Nike Hoop Summit, Gerald Henderson was there, Mason mm -hmm. was there, and then there was three Duke commits. Mm -hmm. Like, they're all over there talking, taking pictures, little family. I'm like, this is so great. But, yeah, so they're proud, too. Right. I see the bets on Twitter. <laughs> I wanted to know how Ed Davis was going to react to it because Ed Davis went to North Carolina. Yeah. And he was laughing at Mason. He was just shaking his head and laughing. He was taking it in good humor. <laughs> Well, it was a it was a close game the whole game, and then came like it was really close, like tied by two, and then Duke just took off. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that was a really great game. But um, one of the players in that game, he's up pretty high, probably number four, Jason Tatum. Mm -hmm. He's a he's like a small forward guard type player. Saw him play a lot, but man, I was saying it last night, I was like, if the Blazers could get Jason, yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's. It's like a like a all around good player, really good size, um, already really good size. He's a freshman too. So. Okay, you know I was um I was curious about that. I looked at you know a, a couple of mock drafts and a couple of just like you know rankings about you know who who they think's gonna gonna go in the top. And there's a lot of one and dones, a ton of uh you know one or two year players. One of the things I don't think we one thing we can't do is we can't knock Neil Olshay's draft history. The dude knows the draft and whatever else people might say about him and his abilities to like land free agents or make the trades, the guy knows draft. And if you look back all the way to his history with the Clippers, um, in 2008, he drafted Eric Gordon. In 2009, of course, he uh, drafted Blake Griffin. 2010, he got Alpha Rukuminu and Eric Bledsoe. Oh, and I forgot to say about 2008, he also drafted DeAndre Jordan, number 35. I mean, that was a pretty brilliant pick, if you ask me. Yeah, those are all really good picks. Yeah, so, you know, I, I think, you know, we can, we can go in pretty confident that um, whatever pick we get, 
Um, Neil Olshay is, I am confident Neil Olshay is going to make the most out of it. But one thing I'm really curious about is since Neil Olshay has been with the Blazers, he tends to take uh, players with more experience. So uh, he took, you know, four years, Damian Lillard, four years, CJ McCollum, four years, Alan Crabb, three years. You know, Myers is an exception. He was only two. But I just, I'm wondering, like, that didn't seem to be the, the case when he was with the um the Clippers, but since he's been at the Blazers, he keeps taking these older players. Do you suppose that's just total coincidence? Do you suppose that's like a team kind of, you know, thing that the team likes the older players? Do you have any thoughts on that at all? I think that it's a, always a good thing to go with the older, more experienced player because there's so many one and dones. There's so many young players. Um, the talent's there. They're very athletic, but it takes time. And it just depends on what you already have. And looking mm-hmm. at the Blazers, I don't necessarily want another younger player. Um, I think that that's just more work. And at this point, we kind of want someone with experience, an older player who has more, I wouldn't say more maturity, really. Um, I think that can come at any age. But I think someone who just kind of been through it already. Mm-hmm. And maybe if you kind of think about it, um, Pretty much, if you're in the draft, you're probably going to go to a bigger school who probably has success in the NCAA tournament down the road. But I also think that maybe you have to look at if they were a leader on their team. There's so many other things that come into come into it, and it's it must be the most nerve-wracking thing ever when you are going to draft someone because you just you want to make the right choice, but also take into consideration they are so young. Like everybody's so young in the draft. Yeah. You know, and even our last two draft picks, um, or guys that we acquired um, through the draft, we, uh, Lehman and Connaughton. Let's see, uh, Connaughton, four-year, Lehman, I think he was three years. You know, older uh, older guys. And I just look at the, you know, the list of the top, you know, 30 right now, and the vast majority of them are, um, are younger. So I think it'll be interesting... Uh, to see and well and the other thing that's interesting about this draft I think is that there's a ton of um, point guards mm-hmm. and one thing that we have not been you know going about trying to no one's really been complaining about lack of point guard I mean we've it's interesting we have this weird point guard situation with Dame and CJ and then we have you know Shabazz kind of like in the background so. You know, do you think he's going to go with best available player if it's a point guard? We'll take a point guard. Or do you think he's going to look for a little bit of uh, situational? Well, I was looking at a little bit of the draft pr- predictions, I guess. Um, and the two players that the Blazers is lining up or looks like they're going to get is TJ Leaf and Donovan Mitchell. Um, mm-hmm. Donovan Mitchell is a guard. So, mm-hmm. and I saw a lot of positive comments as opposed to, oh, we don't need any more guards, but it did kind of say, you know, a relief guard. Mm-hmm. And I, I see that and it worries me because I feel like we have a lot of that guard position already on the Blazers. But if we had someone in a secured role, that might not be a bad idea. Like, I kind of like the Blazers when we had Mo Williams. Mm-hmm. With that secured guard, like, there was no question that he was a backup guard. You know what I mean? Like we couldn't maybe throw him in over here or maybe throw him over there. It's like he knew what role he had. So that's the only way that I'll be okay with acquiring another guard. Mm -hmm. But I don't want, I think the Blazers need to run from that 
kind of in between fire. I feel like we have like four of those. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it needs to be either like a set point guard or like a set center. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was when I was reading about Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. So he's yeah, a sophomore, he's a sophomore. from mm-hmm. Louisville, and yeah, he's a guard. He's a six three two ten guard. Um, and when I was reading about him, okay, so they say he's normally a shooting guard, but lately mm-hmm. has been pulled into a starting point guard role. He's uh, not a great shooter, but he's getting better. He's a Rick Patino player, so mm-hmm. he's had a lot of value. Like the, the value of defense has been drilled into him. So that would be nice to have a guard who can come and and bring the defense. But when I was reading his description, it reminded me a lot of CJ. It reminded me a lot of somebody who would do that same kind of thing, where he'll you know he'll play shooting guard, but then spell the point guard. Um, and I just don't know if Terry Stotts is ever going to go back to that. Like we just have a straight up backup point guard, <laughs> you know? I, yeah. I thought... It's, it's especially hard because positions and roles in the league are changing so much. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if we should even call positions anymore because you see someone who's six, nine as a point guard, and, but they can yeah. also play this. They can also, so it makes or it really center. hard, but <laughs> yeah, I see him. It, it makes it really hard, but yeah, I, I kind of am scared for the word guard when I think of new players with the Blazers. So what do you think about TJ Leaf? He's He plays for UCLA. So um, you have you seen any UCLA games live yet this year? You know, I was supposed to go to the UCLA-UW game um, because Lonzo Ball and mm-hmm. Markel Fultz are probably the number one and two guards mm-hmm. going to be taken in the draft. But I haven't. Haven't watched any. I have so I haven't been in person. Watched a little bit um, of the game. Clearly, I watched the Oregon UCLA game last night, but I didn't. Nothing really stood out to me about TJ, um, and maybe that was just because I wasn't really focusing on him. Um, but like I said, when I hear of the Blazers maybe getting a center or a forward, I'm all for it. Yeah. But but him being young, that worries me. Say when I was reading about TJ Leaf, one of the things that people did talk about him was. Um, they they thought that he needed some more development time and he might get, he might benefit from another year in the league. Um, so I don't yeah I don't know if we would be taking somebody just for you know development purposes or if we would want somebody who's um, more matured. Uh, let's see another another player that I has piqued my interest is Justin Patton from Creighton. Um, he's a center. He's somebody who's quickly ascended up the ranks. Like he wasn't really on people's radar until he's kind of quickly started to rise. And he's one of those guys that we would maybe get with our higher pick. Um, actually, two drafts that I looked at that were done like at the beginning of Feb- right at the beginning of February had the Blazers taking him. He's a six eleven center. He's only two hundred and fifteen pounds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like for reference, Noah Vonley is six ten and weighs two forty. Yeah. So he's an inch taller and 25 pounds lighter. Well, and that's, and that's something that they can bulk up. And you can just imagine if he's that now, just probably think of what he was in high school. Right. Yeah. Well, he, he, he's got, you know, nice long limbs and everything. And he yeah. is an, he's a player who can both back down and he can face up, which is nice. He's got a post game. So, um, Love you know, that. that would be, um, a nice addition to our thing, but I don't know. I, I, I think it's interesting that um, this year we're going to be back in, we're back in the draft conversation. Cause that was like yeah. last year, you know, we had to like buy in at the last minute or whatever. So kind of fun to know who to keep an eye out for as yeah. March madness comes. 
Yeah, I was going to say, it's always a good thing to always be checking and looking and just, you know, kind of educate yourself on what names are circulating. And then, of course, when March Madness and Final Four and all that comes through, then these teams who, you know, who make it through, we highlight and we see them and we are really excited about those players because then we might see them in the draft too. Um, then people, you know, that always determines if they're going to stay another year, if they're going to go, what their next move is too. So it's really exciting, but there's a lot of things that can change in these last couple months. Um, so don't buy in on anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nothing's set, obviously. But it is good to kind of, you know, scroll through, check some names out, educate yourself. And especially with um, the NBA season kind of coming to a close or, you know, all-star break, kind of laying off on the games. I would say watch some college games and just see who's showing out, see who's doing good, and see who we might get next year. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it. And like I previously said, I do have a lot of trust in Neil Olshay when it comes to the draft. So I'm kind of excited, actually, to see who he comes up with because I don't I don't know that he's been too far off base. Um, you know, we've had some players who, you know, were drafted high, like Myers, who's still, maybe the jury's still out on, <laughs> on how he's gonna <laughs> end up, you know, but I think he's gonna be a role player for somebody. And yeah. uh, whether or not 11 was the, or whatever 12, you know, was the right number to take him, um, he's still gonna be around the league and he's gonna have an impact on some, some team, ours or somebody else's. Well, talking about drafts, Isaiah Thomas was the last draft pick. Mm hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. That doesn't really, can't really determine what they're going to do. And I mean, you never know. Or players who decide to stay another year who mm-hmm. are a huge impact on their team in the league. So it's, you never know. And I'm not saying draft picks, oh, it's, it doesn't determine at all. But um, it's just, it, there's a lot of factors that go into it. So you can't mm-hmm. completely buy in just because of what number they go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we should probably start wrapping it up here pretty soon. But my, I guess my question is, you know, um, what are you going to be looking for for the Blazers um, as we uh, finish up the season? We're more than halfway through. What are some of the things you're going to be watching for as we wind up the year? I think we can look for a lot of different combinations, especially with Evan out now. Um, we're just going to see a lot of things change. And I think that will also cause a lot of people to step up and try to really, this is the time to show your skills not to be, not to play scared and to worry about being traded or being let go or anything like that. But I just think that it's kind of like you have nothing to lose. Might as well just go out swinging. Mm-hmm. Um, not saying that they're they're going out like that, but I think we should. We will. We'll see a lot of people step up. Um, and I, I don't want to see discouragement because they might not make the playoffs, or you know, I, I don't want to see that discouragement because I think that. Every team, every franchise goes through rebuilding, and I really want to see this rebuilding for the Blazers. Yeah, and I think I, I don't. You can't. We're only halfway through the season. We, I we can't tell whether or not our three or four year plan has panned out yet. <laughs> we yeah. really, really have to give it time. So I think that's a, a great point to that we're going to see a lot of things that we haven't seen yet. You know, I I like it when when Terry shortens the rotation a bit. But with Evan Turner's injury, we that might not happen for a little while uh, longer now because he's got to find out who's gonna. And you know, are we gonna see? You know, as we as we've been alternating between Myers and Davis games, are we gonna now start alternating between Connaughton and Lehman games? <laughs> um. Um, where you know he tries to figure out which player is right in in which situation. Um, you know, 
we ha- we aren't having a great year. Our our record is not what we wanted it to be. We're still a long ways out from 500 even. We're still out of the playoffs right now. But for the most part, I've found it entertaining. <laughs> I'd take I you know, I I wish that we could have wins, but I'm still entertained on a nightly basis. There's a nights that, you know, guys like Alpha Rukaminu can like turn it on like that. As long as things like that are happening, I'm enthusiastically turning on. There's a couple weeks in there where I, I would say my enthusiasm for turning on the game felt more like a chore, <laughs> but um but uh it's I I I feel like you know, with adjusted expectations, I, I think we have plenty to look forward to. I always think of whenever the basketball season ends, I'm like, uh, I wish there was a Blazer game. Uh-huh. So I, I'm not trying to chase the season away just because it's not as good as we might have hoped or the record's not good. Um, I, I think there's still a lot to be happy and to watch for. And I think that that's how a lot of people feel. I hope that's how a lot of people feel because these players are still playing super hard. Um, it's, they still play every other day, you know what I mean? So I think there's still a lot to look forward to. And I think we're on the rise, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. you have to hit the bottom to go yeah. up. I mean, you know, think about, uh, uh, after, let's see, two years ago, um, after, uh, the, uh, injury to Wesley Matthews and we went into the Memphis, um, game, you know, but that's when CJ McCollum started to shine. And, right. you know, so there's, there's always a chance that somebody's going to step up and, um, and, and do something big every night. And then the other thing that I've learned, especially this season, after watching a somewhat depressing Blazer game, like a loss, I will, I can watch literally any other game in the league and still feel, and feel better. Cause I, you forget, like when you're so focused on one team, like I am, like you watch a lot of basketball, but I'm pretty focused yeah. on one team. So I take every single miss personally and I act like nobody <laughs> else ever misses a three pointer. And then you like turn around and you watch any other game and steps out there missing threes, not as often, but he still misses them. LeBron James will still miss a dunk every once in a while. You know, great players and role players will get out there and do something just boneheaded. So like, we're not the only team <laughs> that makes mistakes or that's struggling and we're still not the New York Knicks. So we got that going for us. <laughs> Man, they have it. They have a lot to work through right now. <laughs> they sure do. Well, we should probably wrap it up today. Ashley, it's been great talking to you. I always feel a little bit better about things after I've uh, checked in with you and heard about like the future that's coming up. And thanks for talking to me. Uh, do you want to tell people how to find you and find your uh, stuff that you do? Yeah, I have a website, but the easiest way to find me is through Twitter at Williams Ash Dawn. Same thing, Instagram handle, at Williams Ashton, or um, just you can search through Blazer's Edge. You can find a lot of my work there, too. Great. Yeah, and uh, just everybody who wants to hear more from the Blazer's Edge podcast, you can subscribe via Stitcher or iTunes or whatever podcast catcher you like. You can also hop on over to blazersedge.com and find all kinds of great content. Our, our um, writers are putting up new stuff every day, and uh, you won't be disappointed in um, the entertaining and an entertainment and analysis you will find over there. 